Irish Illustrated Insider is sponsored by VisitSouthBend.com. Is it time to check a Notre Dame home game off your bucket list? Has it been too long since you've soaked in the game day atmosphere in person? Whether it's for the first time ever or in a while, start planning your trip to South Bend to watch the Fighting Irish with ideas and inspiration at VisitSouthBend.com. You're listening to Irish Illustrated Insider. It is Monday, September 5th. Happy Labor Day to everybody. We're a couple days now removed from our trip to Columbus, Ohio. Notre Dame put up a heck of a fight and they were in charge or they were certainly in the lead and looking like they were on top of the situation into the third quarter. I don't know about you guys, but I mean, I know it was kind of hard to hear the crowd from from our vantage point, but it seemed like it got pretty quiet there in, in Ohio Stadium. But um, the Buckeyes prevail with a couple long touchdown drives and a 21-10 victory over number five Notre Dame. Tim, uh, just some thoughts on on um, on what transpired in Ohio Stadium this weekend. Yeah, as an aside, I was told the crowd was great. You can't hear it all in there. It's like when Notre Dame doesn't open the windows, which they've kind of come around to, and you can hear the crowd noise. It's really rough to not hear the crowd noise when you know it's just rocking out there. Um, but I think at some point during this game, I thought, God, you know, they got to be able to pull this out because they, they can play with them. It wasn't one of those things where right. against Nebraska, they had a punt return touchdown and a kick return touchdown <laughs> to stay with number one, Nebraska. Like they were clearly going toe to toe with Ohio state, but you know, one defensive play, maybe I, I believe a poor play call and then worse execution because you didn't have your personnel in there. And then really the 95 yard drive even though cj stroud made a wonderful play to start it it just surprised me Notre Dame couldn't get off the field there i i know that was they had 69 plays in the game what they have going to that drive 49 i mean they rotated uh, all game well, long it's not a that was a going in play drive going into the touchdown 55. drive no because they have yeah they had yeah. right yeah going into the touchdown drive that ended with with the 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 drive that started that ended with the touchdown to xavier johnson Ohio State had only run 39 plays in the game. Yeah. So then they so they ran 24 in in back-to-back drives, which was That's my biggest surprise yeah. that the defense kind of couldn't get it, couldn't finish the drill when it played so well. Yeah. That's about that's approaching like 35 to 40% of the snaps that they had the whole the whole evening with those two drives. But, you know, I I mean CJ Stroud became the real CJ Stroud when they needed him to. He was very accurate. He's not a, uh, he's not a runner, but he is a scrambler and he bought himself some time and, you know, Henderson and, and, uh, Mayan Williams, he was good too. Um, he was very good. Mayan yeah, Williams was, he the was. Key on that drive. Yeah. I, I, you know, I didn't, I, I guess I didn't see a, enough of him last year because Henderson ended up taking over for him, but he was, he was really good too. Yeah. He, uh, Riley Mills couldn't hold Mayan Williams out of the end zone. So yeah. that, that tells you a little something about him. I remember before the game being down on the field and just watching Mayan Williams go through warmups with Tony Alford and thinking like the lower body on this dude yeah. is like incredible. Like Notre Dame doesn't like even Audric estimate Notre Dame does not have a back put together like Mayan Williams. Um, I didn't think it would be as relevant to the outcome um, as it turned out to be late, but it was, I didn't, I didn't think Notre Dame was ever in control of the game. I thought that they had a really good game plan that sort of kept Ohio State off balance a little bit. Um, I thought it was expertly put together, but 
before the game, I think we talked about this. Notre Dame was going to need something special, whether it was a turnover or a special teams touchdown or a fluke play to win it. Um, and they never were able to create that either defensively on those last two drives or offensively. I felt like they just sort of got stuck calling like Tommy Reese got stuck in this. I'm calling plays as if we're up by seven when in fact we're losing. Uh, and they, they couldn't find um, something that was the right blend of aggressive and smart on those two drives that got into Ohio state territory, but turned it a no points and ended in punts and positive territory, which like Notre Dame could hold sort of stay in the game playing that way, but they were never going to win the game playing that way. I, yeah, let, let's talk about the positives here because we don't have a lot of positive questions in, in segment two, but I do want to talk about Tyler Buckner and Tyler Buckner, you know, he wasn't great, but he was, he was very competent in his first start. He was uh, quick with his reads. He was decisive. He got rid of the football. I thought he did. I thought he did a really, really nice job and I don't hold the two of 10 to end the game against him. Would you agree with that? No, I, I wouldn't. I, I didn't think that receivers made a lot of plays for him um, short of, no, I take that back. They made a few plays for him because like the, all the shot plays were pretty impressive competitive catches. So I amend that statement immediately, but yeah, I, I thought Buckner, it was a good performance for start one. Um, the next time he starts against Ohio State will be start 17. I expect him to be a ton better. Um, one thing I wanted to ask Marcus Freeman today that but we didn't get into was just like where the, the hits that Buckner took from pressures, what was his responsibility and not being able to communicate those pressures before they came or or was he able to identify them at all um, being in start one? So Buckner sort of referenced that after the game, how he has to protect himself uh, maybe a little bit better. I think that's pretty understandable in start one against a, a defense that's trying to get at you from a bunch of different directions. I was surprised he didn't turn it over. So that's a positive. I was very surprised he didn't, he didn't make the impact a little more as a runner, but I guess when really good athletes have a plan to not let the running quarterback beat them, that, that can be tough too. You, you saw yeah. him out there and it, he, he couldn't run away from the guys as much as he did last year. And yes. it's, it's going to be the fastest, you know, it's one fast group of players that are dialed in for that. If you'd have told me 10 for 18, I thought, wow, only 18 passes, but you know, you have 48 plays. <laughs> you have, it's the, if people haven't read this, it's the, it's the lowest offensive snap total by a Notre Dame. 48 offense. snaps, 48 snaps yes. in this millennium. And the ones that it's compared to will be in Monday musings, but it's, it's shocking that they only got 48 plays off. Um, Tyler Buckner <clears throat> deserves credit because he played under fire. And I'm glad Pete, you made the point though, that he didn't get a lot of help from receivers on every play. Cause they weren't separating all the time, but Michael Mayer made a catch to save an interception. Kevin Bauman made a phenomenal catch. Matt Salerno made a tremendous catch and Braden Lindsay made the second best catch of his career. There's, yeah. If you tell me all four of those things are going to happen, I'll, I'll take a shot at what well, else is but- the consistency was missing, right, Tim? Yeah, I think that's I, well, that's a really good point about the plays that were made there. He he threw into double coverage once. It was Lindsay up the seam, uh, and it, it was batted away. But otherwise, he I don't think he was really in jeopardy of getting picked. Like the first snap when he got it to Styles, I, I mean, he got drilled immediately, uh, and yeah. and, he, yeah. and we immediately saw the issues that Nordane was going to have with their interior line against Ohio state. I didn't think that they played well. 
of course they were without Jared Patterson, but I didn't think that they played well. I thought the tackles, you know, certainly more than, than held their own of the 18 passes wide receivers were the targets in just seven of those. Yeah. That's the um, consistency problem yeah, with the trust right. and the, I, did I say seven? I mean, eight and, right. and Michael Mayer was, was eight as well. Jumping over the back to the defensive side of the ball, it certainly helped that Smith and Jigba was injured on a hit by, by Brandon Joseph and he was ineffective. So that was beneficial, but Mbuka's, you know, just kind of picked up the, the pace for them. I thought, I guess I'm going to jump back to offense here. I thought, um, you know, I, everybody's questioning the play calling and look, I, I, what in the world do I have, would I defend Tommy Reese with? I mean, it was, it was a very, very poor game for Notre Dame's offense. And so I, you know, I agree. I agree with all that. Um, there was one play in particular, it was after it was like three or four plays after they had run a jet sweep with, with uh, Tyree and then ran something similar to that on second and 21, I think it was because it was the, um, Salerno offensive interference and Pete I think you referenced this after that OPI uh some of the some of the decision making there anyway they came back to Tyree and I just thought that that when they saw Tyree motioning again that's fine but don't give him the ball again because now it's (laughs) actually it went from first and 25 to I think they only gained two 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 yards on that and then they ran a quarterback draw I think with the idea that okay, on third and 18, if we can get 10, we'll go for it on fourth and eight. Right. That was, that was the, the, my biggest issue was sort of the, the play, the, the play calling um, air quotes here is like after the OPI, I understand running Buckner on first down to get something back to get seven there. But yeah, then you go to Tyree, the play had no chance. Um, and then on third down, they run a draw, which I, Again, I, I sort of get, but Zeke Carell cannot get a hold of his man at all. And Buckner is sort of dead immediately. It, it could have been an eight-yard gain if Carell sort of gets a hold of his guy there. And then if it's an eight-yard gain, you're at the 41-yard line. It's it's fourth and 10. I think you that's where you go for it. That's where you can be yeah. aggressive. But they they didn't even put themselves in a position to take a risk there, which I, I think is pretty frustrating. It, it's there is a bit of a with play calling and the offensive line. What comes first here? The chicken or the egg? If your line can't block, if three guys are having a rough game, what can Tommy Reese put together in terms of we always talk about how building plays upon plays. And Tim, you said, you know, Tyree's going in motion again. Shouldn't there be something coming off of that? It, or could Tommy Reese's play calling have helped the offensive line out? Could they have realized, well, we yeah. are we are in trouble up front. We got to do something different. Yeah. I know they came in with the plan, and Marcus Freeman reiterated, we, we have to bring this up. Marcus Freeman reiterated today, and he was probably defending Tommy Reese extra because he's heard the criticisms. Like he told him, I want you to bleed clock. I want you to huddle. I want you to run the ball. He did, we use the word hamstrung with Brian Kelly and Tommy Reese. Marcus Freeman purposely hamstrung Tommy Reese Absolutely. In, in an effort to win. But I do think that it was, I hate saying unimaginative because afterwards, but there was nothing during that game where I was thinking to myself, wow, they, they, that was just so well done, so well designed. You know, it, it, you didn't get the feeling. 
And if there were some things, like I saw Chris Tyree going on a wheel route, and I had special interest in Chris Tyree going on a wheel route in this game uh, for a prop <laughs> bet that did not come through. And and they, they were all over him. And I was like, God, that was the opportunity right there. And then Tyler Buckner has 1.5 seconds on that wheel route to Tyree anyway. So it's really hard to tell when your line doesn't block. I mean, if you're grading, if it's just grading what you saw from what happened out there, Tommy Reese had a poor, poor game. But there's other elements that go into it. And the offensive line had a poor game. Maybe Tommy Reese should help his offensive line with play calling, too. It's, well, I thought he had, a, he, had, he had a good first half and a bad I mean, second did he? half. He, they, yes. got, they got, okay, so there was Tyler Buckner read a safety blitz, which is beautiful. And Notre Dame got down to first and goal. They never gained another, or first and 10 at the 15. They never gained another yard. Yeah. And then they had one good drive. Tim, to your point about maybe he could have done something to help his offensive line, I wrote this in today's Tale of the Tape. It's very difficult to question play calling, especially watching it it on TV, because you really don't see the entire picture. Okay. And so I, if you're, if there's going to be, if we're going to assess blame, I would assess, uh, assess blame for the offense's lack of execution. Oh, for sure. But then I think like, to me, that would, to me, that would come first. If they're not executing, that's, that's on you as the offensive coordinator. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, what you're going a, against. that, that, that I'm just saying that comes with the territory. You know what you're yeah. going against in Ohio state. You find out pretty quickly. Yeah. No, those, those guys that are five stars are actually really good defensive linemen right now, or they're playing really well yeah. or, whoa, we thought we could get Tommy Eichenberg and we cannot like, yeah, these Tom, things happen during the game. you know, that's Tommy Eichenberg improved by 70% over <laughs> what I saw from him last year. He was really, he was really, really good. But you know, again, it was, it was Tommy Reese versus Jim Knowles and, it was a technical knockout. Yeah, Jim Knowles won that matchup. Absolutely. No question yep. about it. Absolutely. This segment of Irish Illustrated was brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. Located on Fremont Street in historic downtown Las Vegas, Circa is the home of the world's largest sports book where you can watch up to 19 games at once. Want to be outside? No problem. There is no better place to take in all of the college football and NFL action than Stadium Swim, six pools, of three levels and a 40-foot-tall high-def screen to watch all the action. Irish fans, when you come to town for the Nordane BYU game, Circa is the place for you. For reservations and more information, go to CircaLasVegas.com. Segment two coming up, burning up the boards. This is Mike Brown, former Notre Dame leprechaun, here to share the Leprechaun's Game Day at Notre Dame, an officially licensed children's book that celebrates the magic of a football Saturday at Notre Dame. Follow me on an adventure from Step Off Under the Golden Dome to ND Stadium with this perfect gift for fighting Irish fans. Visit www.lepgameday.com and enter Irish to get your author signed copy today. Go Irish! Here's another Irish tale from Do Dublin at dodublin.ie. In 1916, Irish rebel forces have taken up position on the north side of Dublin's St. Stephen's Green Park. They exchange fire with the British to the south. Suddenly a man enters the park with a brown bag above his head. Both sides cease fire. The park's groundskeeper has come to feed the ducks. For the next six days there is a daily ceasefire so the ducks can be fed. Learn more when you do Dublin with Do Dublin Tours. Burning Up the Boards is brought to you by Game Day Your Way. Notre Dame football fans, make your trip to South Bend easy this fall with the help of Game Day Your Way. Services include tailgates, transportation, tickets, and more, making game day your one-stop shop for Notre Dame football weekend. 
Learn more at gamedayyourway.com and use promo code IRISHPOD22 to save 10% on your tailgate package. Segment two, burning up the boards. First question from Ted Olenek. Love the defensive performance, aside from the double safety blitz mix-up. Is the secondary improvement a result of Al Golden coming to Notre Dame or O'Leary and Mickens coming into their own? I, I think it's kind of, it's difficult for us to project something like that on Al Golden. Um, you know, but, but he's a he's an experienced defensive coach, so I'm sure he's helped. But you know, I give I give the credit to Mickens and O'Leary and the the development of the development of Bracy, the performance of Lewis on Saturday. And I absolutely love the way Benjamin Morrison played. Um, so I guess I'm giving a lot of credit to, to Mickens, but I think those guys are good coaches back there. And I, I I'm sure that Al Golden is, is a, provides an assist in that department. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's all of the above. Right. Um, but it was, I think that if there were, I mean, what was the most positive Notre Dame related surprise? It was the secondary's play, like by a wide, wide margin. Yeah. That was, as much as I, I thought that they could count on both lines playing well and they really didn't, I, I thought that they could probably count on the secondary having to hold on for dear life. And that wasn't true either. So I give a lot of credit to Mickens and O'Leary for helping Notre Dame get to that point. And, and I think, go ahead, Tim. I think the secondary is going to get better because we'll see better Cam Hart when he's fully healthy. Yeah. Um, Benjamin Morrison's going to get better. Jaden Mickey's going to get better, I think. Um, he won't, you know, Jaden Mickey in the nickel roll is a giant drop off from Tariq Bracey in the nickel roll. But as I pointed out on the show, there's been one successful freshman nickel at Notre Dame in 20 years. And it was Kyle Hamilton. Other than that, they eventually get burned. You know, they start out well, like Elijah Shoemate started yeah. out well, and then they find out their nickels and they're targeted. I, man, I'm really high on Morrison. Uh, yeah. His ability to, to mirror a receiver. I said in tail of the tape, we hear about quick tit, quick twitch. He's quicker twitch. His ability to mirror a guy is really, really, really good. I want to add, because we talked about this beforehand. How about Clarence Lewis's play against Ohio State compared to what we thought might happen? Yeah. Now, and we heard a we heard a lot of positive things about him during the summer. And in August, naturally, you're going to be a little bit skeptical uh, knowing sure. what has happened in the past. But their secondary play was uh, – their cornerback play in particular was really, really good. Smith and Jigma being out certainly – Julian things... Fleming being out. Like, he got hurt yeah. before the game. I, I think we sort of brush over that when we're sort of thinking about how Notre Dame played defensively. Like, yeah, they got – they they created one break because they beat the crap out of Smith and Jigba, yeah, they and they created. got a break because Fleming got hurt. True. Too. Now, Fleming's not established, but I know that he's very high, highly touted, yeah. and they, they were counting on him big time in this game. So, yeah, no doubt. But they played well, uh, and that's a huge step forward for them. Question from K Garrity 8 After reading much of the Fire Tommy chants on this board, where can we – where can we draw the line in bad game plan slash play calling and poor execution of a de decent game plan slash play calling? Also, why is it so hard for people to understand that both could be true? It's always both. And it's even more than what was written there by K Garrity eight. There was, as we said, the offensive line isn't doing its job. It hurts your play calling. Your play calling hurts the offensive line. It limits it from doing its job. It's harder on the offensive line. There are things you got to, you know, I don't want to harp on it. There's things you probably go in the game and think, oh, we have to protect him more than I thought. If you're Tommy Reese, you got to look and say, they are beating Carell and Christophic and Lug. We have, we have to do something about this. Coach, 
I know you want to just continue to run the ball, but what about this? And then Marcus Freeman says, yeah, but remember when we didn't run the ball last time against Oklahoma State? <laughs> You're damned if you do sometimes and damned yeah. if you don't. And de- the offense lost to the Ohio State defense. Yeah, remember, Pete, we talked about um, carries, how important carries right. would be in this game, and they ended up with like 30, names offense. three of like which great. were set. Uh, why I, it's, it's pretty hard to say that when you score 10 points. I mean, I don't know that anybody played great, I mean, Michael you know, Bayer and I want to give it And Hey, before I mentioned about eight of the 18 targets were wide receivers, Braden Lindsay, who made a tremendous catch, yeah, yeah, but he was targeted four times and he caught one pass. And that was a problem throughout last year. He's just going to have to be more efficient. You know, I, so I, I don't know. Are they, does Tyler Buckner not completely trust his wideouts yet? Does Tommy Reese not completely trust the wideouts, or is it both? You know, I, I don't know. I, it, it, it's it's probably a little bit of both. And it, you know, and of course, whenever you have Michael Mayer on the field, and I love the 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 pass that Bauman caught the twenty two yarder. If you look at the design of that play, uh, Bauman's on the line of scrimmage. Mayer is off his right hip. He goes up and out. Two, two defenders follow him, yeah. and all all uh, Bauman has to do is go up the seam, and he's wide open. There's no safety help there. So, you know, Bauman's going to come into play throughout this season. Not not huge numbers, but he's going to come into play largely because of what you can do with that design and that play call. Yeah, I love that one. So it was like the fake pitch, which was like a, a very exaggerated play action yeah. concept, really. Like, and then Bauman was was wide open. But yeah, it's it. I think Reese just he had to try to call a ball control run first game plan without a functioning interior offensive line, which is really hard to do. So I don't I don't know if there are some screens they could have thrown in there late or what, but um, was not able to like go like counter punch enough in the second half to find something that would work. And I and I contend that I don't think that. They're, I don't think Tommy Reese is comfortable. I don't know this for a fact, but having seen him throw them, I don't think Tommy Reese is comfortable with Tyler Buckner in the screen game. You know, it's, it's, we get the same kind of questions after every game when, when they, they struggle in the passing game. It's why didn't they run this? Why didn't they run this? Why didn't they run this? I'm sure there's a valid reason. And one of the reasons for the, the screen game is, I don't think that they're extremely comfortable in that. Jack Cohn was good at it. Ian Book wasn't comfortable right. at it, and they steered clear of that. So, so I did. Hey, I just want to five years. That's good. Yeah, I just I just want to uh, jump back to the the first question because there, there was a reference to the double safety blitz, and I asked Marcus Freeman about that it, whether it was a bust or he said no, that was a call play. Now because of the limitations on the questions we could ask, I I wanted to follow up about because Bracey wasn't in the game and Mickey was uh, that, that then you could certainly understand the the play call, but I would have been a little bit reluctant. I think as a, as a D coordinator to make that call with a freshman who Tim, as you said, he took 12 snaps and only one of them was at nickel. And that was yeah. the one. Yeah. I think with Tariq Bracey there, I would get it when they said we wanted a double safety blitz because Tariq Bracey talked to me, I wrote the story pregame. It was the feature story. It was Tariq Bracey in the slot and when it matters. He said he gets most of what he does pre-snap. He knows he studies the receivers. He studies their first move. He studies their alternate move. And if he knows he doesn't have help 
I guarantee you Tariq Bracey does not take a false step to the corner yeah. just because Xavier Johnson takes a false step to the yeah. corner. It's, and I, it's tough with a, with a first time nickel going in there and double safety blitz. So, yeah. and it kind of staggered the blitz, but Joseph jo- and Joseph came second, but I mean, it was just completely ineffective Yeah, at, at that point. And all, all you know, ultimately, all you did was just open up a hole. It, did, uh, it, it, uh, did, did it remind you at all of Georgia in 2019 when they did a safety blitz that didn't get home and they threw, uh, I guess, from threw a pretty nice, uh, I can't remember where the receiver caught it, like a, a touchdown in the left corner. Was that the both? Zone. Was that both safeties or was that just one? Was, I believe it was both safeties was both coming up the middle and there's yeah. nothing there. And you're just like, ah, oh, the safety blitz, does it ever get home? Yeah. But <laughs> Hey, L L golden, you know, I realized it ultimately. And, and I look back, somebody said my grades for defense were a little too harsh. And I, and I get that because they played well for so long, Yeah. but when the game's online, you give up a 14 play 95 yard drive, you know, and, and you're getting beat through the air and CJ Stroud started to become CJ Stroud. And, you know, but L Golden did a hell of a job against a great defense, and that bodes well moving forward. Here's the issue with complaining about postgame grades. Okay. Notre Dame <laughs> held Ohio State to 21 points. So is the postgame grade an A for the defense and they scored 10 points? So is it an F for the offense? Or do you maybe want some analysis at every position, which in every situation? Well, that's what I'm, that's trying, what I'm trying, to trying to provide. And that's why, it, like, oh, it should have been FF on offense. Well, they protected the football on offense. Right. So right. if, if, uh, I gave him an F and then you had, two turnovers. What is it? F minus minus, or what, where do I go with this? So I, I stopped short of F when I feel like there are aspects that were very positive. And the fact that they didn't turn the football over is huge in an environment like that. So that may be a little insight as to why we do some of those grades. Next from Scott 24105. You said in prior podcasts that Reese is a very good OC who calls good games, but doesn't have the talent to execute at a high level. When do you hold Reese responsible, excuse me, accountable for not bringing in the talent as the OC the past few years? Uh, well, he's part of it. Certainly it, it's always on the head coach. Uh, we, we understand that, um, you know, the recruiting at receiver with the previous receiving coach was poor. And so that's why they're in the situation that they are. But I, I, I think it's a fair question because yeah, you know, Tommy Reese has to put out a potent enough offense to help attract skill position offensive players. Lincoln Riley doesn't have any trouble attracting skill position players, right? I mean, generally speaking. So, yeah, that's that's part of it. That's on him, but it's on, you know, it's on other people too. You can't you can't expect the offense coordinator to influence every offensive recruit that comes their way either. But yeah, sure. He 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 carries the burden of that as well. Yeah, it's you know part of the the that's his job as OC. And this, like Marcus Freeman, I think we would all describe as a incredibly dynamic recruiter. He gets yours for one year as DC, and they're the signs four four star linebackers. Um, so you know the defensive recruiting earlier this cycle. I think he's he's a elite recruiter. I think Tom Reese does a good job in recruiting, but they're you know it's. You gotta you gotta have more in the pipeline than I think what Notre Dame is is shown to have right now. Next from Jack, nineteen ninety eight. We all knew that wide receiver play was going to be subpar. I don't think anybody expected it to look that bad. How many games can this team win with their wide receiver group? And how many recruiting classes is it going to take to bounce back from Dell Alexander's poor recruiting? And before you guys answer, Pete Sampson gets props for saying they will be striving 
to get to the point where they're the weakness, where they're better than a weakness on this team <laughs> yeah. back in the summer. And boy, did that not go over well. Yeah, I did. Did we not like turn the siren on about the wide receiver play during the white? Did we not draw enough? A- they thought it was a good siren, like the Homer Simpson by an oh. RV. It was a good siren. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I Braden Lindsay, he needs to needs to be more effective with the number of targets. You, you, did they need to throw the football to Lorenzo Styles more? Sure, there's no there's no doubt about that. Um, yeah, that was the know, surprise. But, that was a surprise of the wide receiver group this game. Like, if you said Braden Lindsay over under one and a half catches, I'd say. Uh, two, but under two and a half, right? Yeah, and, fair enough. And Jane Thomas was was yeah. only targeted once, and the ball was tipped, and he right. he was he was open. Yeah. He was open. The ball was tipped. He was yeah, yeah and the yeah. ball was tipped. Yeah. Yeah. But he slipped, style, he slipped I anyway. Thought, so I thought Styles would be involved in some more quick stuff. Some you know the yeah. quick screw the, the quick looks and everything. Yeah, I agree. Uh, aside from Styles not being more involved, what the receiver position delivered wasn't that far away from what I would have thought. Question from ND1, Cubs 1. I like that combination. What is more about Notre, what is more about Notre Dame's issues or Ohio State is elite? First one is Notre Dame offensive line struggles. I have to say both. I'm sorry. I'm not saying more. <laughs> they're Notre Dame in the first that's game. Fa- that's fair. That's, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. They're, they're, they'll work it out a little more with Patterson, um, but then they fa- it would have been a lot better had they faced uh, North Carolina instead of Ohio State to open the season. Yeah, they you know Ohio State's got three, I think maybe maybe sometimes four five star defensive linemen on the field at once. Like it's it's a tough it was a tough matchup against a, a really well coached defense and Notre Dame's offensive line was not quite as far along as maybe we had hoped. You know, and I said in August at some point one of these podcasts I said that um, I didn't think. Oh, I think it was Holly Rowe that said this is going to be a dominant defensive line or a great defensive line. Spectacular, I, said, I think. Was spectacular. The word. Okay, spectacular. And so I was like, ah, you know, I don't think we can say that yet. And then during last week, uh, watching a Jim Knowles uh, press conference and the way he was talking about the defensive line, I thought, oh, damn, they are coming around. <laughs> and that, yeah, I mean, there's there's talent there. And um and they've gotten they've gotten a lot better. And uh, you know, Notre Dame, as we said, the interior line didn't play very well. So, but I do. But it's it's both. It is both in that situation. Okay, Notre Dame's issues are Ohio State elite as far as ND line lacking domination of the line of scrimmage. I feel like Notre Dame's defensive line will be good this year, and I give a lot of credit to how Ohio State's offensive line improved from last year. Uh, was better than we were told they were in camp, and. Mayan Williams runs hard, man. You you couldn't tell the difference. You, you couldn't. No, tell I know. The that's why I say when Riley Mills when Riley Mills can't hold him out of the. I give credit to Ohio State on that one. They were, they were impressive. I I mean I know Ohio State thought Isaiah Fosky was going to be way more disruptive in the game than he turned out to be, and it was oh, the opposite because yeah. Paris Johnson, Paris Johnson won decisively. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, it, it, I mean, yes, 100%. I don't I don't think Foskey didn't impact the game really. I don't, I don't know if he impacted the game at all. Yeah, I, I, I said in the tape, I felt like when he impacted the game, it was when he was making a play laterally or chasing yeah, downfield. Right. He also made some impact that C.J. Stroud just avoid, just made amazing throws. Like the throw on the – all right, there was a moment during the game in the third quarter. I was I think it was on the scoring drive. 
their first scoring drive early. It could have been the, the previous drive, but Foskey chased Stroud to the right. Stroud threw a dime to beat Bracey for a catch. And I looked at Tim and I go, I have a feeling CJ Stroud's about <laughs> to start his rhythm. He's and, starting to heat up now. Yeah. And it was Yeah. And when he and when he gets when he dials into his accuracy, good lord, he's uh he's great. Now I thought Riley Mills, you know, did some things, maybe not a huge impact big play game, but I thought and he was going against a really big dude, Dewan Johnson six or Dewan uh, Jones at six eight three sixty, and I thought he did some things again, not big plays, but but they had to account for him, and I don't, I ne- I never, of course they had to account for Foskey, but I, it it the flashes in my mind of what I saw and watching the replay weren't weren't Isaiah Foskey uh, doing a whole lot moving moving forward upfield. The final aspect of this one is uh... oh yeah, thank you. Nordame, uh, Nordame or Ohio State. Uh, Nordame kick returns, not even sniffing the twenty-yard line. I give Notre Dame struggles on that because you can catch the ball and they hand you the ball at the twenty-five. Yeah, that was uh, that was poor. That was yes. poorly designed or planned. It looked like Urban versus BK and seven years ago. Well, I think there's. I was going to bring that up because when Urban Meyer was the head coach at Ohio State, their their special teams were awesome. And uh, I think there's still a lot of remnants of that at Ohio state, but Hey, special teams were good. Not in the return area. Yeah. I, am- I mean, the opening kickoff, when you turn multiple guys loose, like if Tuiahalmaka didn't get to his guy, um, there was a walkout number 30, whose name is escaping me right now. He didn't get to his guy. You said free runners. And then it's just like the look of Xavier Johnson making the kickoff tackle stop of Tyree immediately after he caught what proved to be the game winning yeah. touchdown. Like, what? Um, that wasn't great either. Next from Irish B. After seeing the offense in preseason practices, were they better than you thought, worse than you thought, or exactly what you thought? Don't let me don't let me answer this question. Yeah, it's a little worse. A little worse for me. Um, I didn't think they were going to come out and put up thirty five points. Um, thought they would do better than 10 and i thought the interior offensive line would have been better even even accounting for jared patterson not being there you and i basically predicted two touchdowns and three field goals right so we 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 both we both were at 23 so um you know i i expected corral to play better than that I, i i i think he's very capable of playing better than that i don't know if it was the emotions of game one or the level of talent that he was going against, which probably had a lot to do with, it. I expected him to be better. Um, I, you know, again, I, I can't study every snap of every offense alignment of, but of the three interior ones, my impression coming away from it is that the most consistent was Christophic. Uh, he was a pleasant surprise for me too, on the first watch through walk through um, watch through that's hard to say. You know, I think they were worse, the offense, because I thought you'd look, they'd look a little bit like uh, the Oklahoma State first half with all the different ways of getting the best players involved, except not with 28 points, but Ohio State's skill position, or Ohio State's defense is faster and better. And so they would cut down on some of those. So like when Chris Tyree gets away, it's a 15-yard gain on that beautiful screen. When you get somebody outside, you know, you know I, I just thought yeah. it would be they'd keep them yeah. off balance. And then Ohio State would be able to adjust with Knowles. I thought there'd be a higher scoring first half for Notre Dame. Like I, if you told me Notre Dame was going to get shut out in the second, I'd be like, eh, I bet they score. But if you said Notre Dame's going to score seven points in the second half, going to that game, 
Like I, that's a great call. And well, I, Nord- I would have thought 17 in the first. Notre Dame has scored just, I mean, it's a, it's a stat. It's in the second half of two Marcus Freeman games. They've scored seven points in four quarters of second half football. And they've scored 17 points in the last six quarters of football total. So uh, the, none of us, none of us predicted 10. So I guess our answer right. would be worse um, in light of the question here. Question from Norm 91. Were you surprised based upon what you saw in the preseason that Tobias Merriweather did not see any action in the Ohio state game? Yeah, I felt, no. I knew he wouldn't start. Um, and I knew he wouldn't be the first guy in is probably a better way of saying it. I figured Colsey and Wilkins were out, which they basically, which they were, or basically were, and that would rotate Merriweather in. You have Colsey Wilkins and Davis out. I certainly figured Merriweather would get in the game in relief of Salerno or Jaden Thomas at some point. Yeah. I, I think I just, they, they, they went with 12 personnel and 21 personnel and 22 yeah. personnel more than they went with 11. Like I think in the first half, they ran six snaps of 11 personnel. So there's just there's not a there's not a role for Tobias Merriweather if you're going to play that way. Yeah. Well, I I mean I would I have to admit I was surprised he didn't play. Yeah, I thought he would play in the football uh, game. And then Marcus Freeman said today, I mean, kind of indicated that he had missed some time because of whether hamstring or knee. I, I mean, I'm sure that played a role in it. Uh, not sure that Merriweather. I think it sounds like Merriweather had a better summer than he did August camp. Right. That, yeah, that's that's probably the best way of saying it. Yeah. You know, there's a big difference there. Well, same with Jaden <laughs> Mickey. He had a much better spring and summer than Correct. August camp. Yeah, yeah. Now, but he ben played Morrison. A he played 12 Morrison, he, he had a good summer, and he had a good August, and he had a good game against Ohio State. What do we got next? Oh, under, Thunder. Thunder 2002, do you see either Benjamin Morrison or Jaden Mickey becoming starters at some point this season? Oh, whoa. <laughs> Slow down. <laughs> I tell you what, I don't see Jaden Mickey becoming a starter at some point this season, and it has nothing to do with the nickel play. Um, Benjamin Morrison played. Let me get this right. If the snap count is accurate, twenty nine, I believe. Uh, he played. I'm just trying to figure out what the guy in front of him played because he almost. Yeah, Cam Hart played forty eight. Benjamin Morrison played twenty nine. Clarence Lewis played forty nine, and Tariq Bracey played the most. So starting, Did- no. However, Benjamin Morrison should see his snaps increase consistently yeah well i tim you know during the game i'm like he's good he's a really good get morrison back on the field but you know i i totally get it i mean you're not you're not going to you've got two veteran corners we we had this conversation tim we both said get morrison back on the field for Hart. why is Hart back in because we also know he's injured like he he, right you know right that's my whole point you can tell because all you want he's not injured but he is um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just in, in Pete's favor over there, but Thank you. then Cam Hart, when I'm like, I want, I want Morrison in Cam Hart makes a diving tackle to hold Henderson to a three. Right. Exactly. Game. I think, uh, I think, you know, there's after other aspects the, after that touchdown pass, I thought Hart did quite a few really mm-hmm. good things. And I told, you know, it's easy for people on the outside to throw, throw that new guy in there. But when you know that Cam Hart and Clarence Lewis know exactly what they should be doing, it's hard to take players like that off the field. So I don't know about starting, but I clearly Ben, Ben Morrison's going to play a, a lot more. And we know that Jaden Mickey is talented enough to play a lot more. Oh, he could, he'll keep rotating in too. It's just, yeah. you know, that was just an unfortunate timing for his. No, I'm not, I'm not even, I'm not even basing it upon that play yeah. Yeah. Uh, more. So maybe Pete, some of the stuff we heard about, maybe he had, he had leveled off during camp. 
Yeah. No, I, I think that he sort of came back to earth uh, yeah. in camp and like what had some tough beats in the game or yeah. in, in camp. Right. Uh, whereas Morrison, you're, you're sort of like, you're hearing good things about Morrison, but you also sort of couch it as like, well, maybe he hasn't gotten so many reps that he's going to sure. have a tough beat. Yeah. But I, did you guys, I, I talked to him when they brought him in. Did you guys get a chance? You did. Morrison? Yeah. Yeah. Super impressive. Isn't he? Really, yeah, really I, impressive. I said to somebody in media relations, like, I really hope Ben Morrison plays a lot <laughs> because that means you have to bring him in for interviews. Yeah. Yeah. Very glib, very outgoing. Um, a, 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 a confidence in himself that doesn't come off as cocky. Right. And then, then he's got the goods to back it up. Uh, dual, dual question here. First one from Frank, 1957. When Jarrett, uh, when Jarrett Patterson is healthy, do you see him moving back to center? And then a question from Sarge 103. Do you see any changes happening when Patterson returns, such as him moving back to center and Rocco Spindler getting his shot? So, they're going to bench Carell for Patterson, but also bench Lug or Kristoffic for Spindler is the second part. That would be I don't think Rocco Spindler will. Okay. I don't think Rocco Spindler will start a game this year unless Kristoffic and Lug get hurt. And Carmody. Well, then you could kind of work him in somehow along the way. But yeah, that's. The Carmody would be ahead of Spindler. He would. I don't. Yeah. You know, I, I pick Rocco Spindler as the best player in his class. So. I'm on record as saying that, and no one wants Rocco Spindler to play better than I do <laughs> in light of that. <clears throat> he's oh, not, there's some people that do. <laughs> he's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He's not ready to play. He's not ready to play at this level right now. I want to see the starting offensive line as it was constructed yeah. on August 3rd before I start making changes to it. I'd like to see Patterson and Carell work together because I yeah. think it would have been better. I really, uh, I, I think Patterson and uh, Marcus Freeman brought that up. I think Patterson would make a huge difference next yeah. to Zeke Carell. Also, maybe not against the Jim Knowles defense with a bunch of five-star yeah, defensive I, linemen, I, for Christ's when, sake. When we, when we look at all the reasons why they struggled, rarely do we want to look at what the opposition is doing or who the opposing coach is. And um, what, what was I told that, because I did a kind of a, a story on Knowles and that uh, he, I'm not impressed with his resume. Well, some guys have to go through Duke and Oklahoma state to get to Ohio state, but the fact that he's at Ohio state and the, the uh, intricacies and the differences in his defense, it's difficult to work against those guys. And, and we saw how difficult it was for Nordheim's interior offensive line. I mean, how many times do we like, just like you get in a situation where Nordheim loses and the, the question is, change the person, change the personnel and not do better with what you have. Cause like the solution is do better with what you have. Like that's that is what Notre Dame is right. going to which do. Which is what, which is why they practice every day. And when you see them practice every day, it's why front runners emerge and you can't throw that out as a coach. You can't throw that out the window from one bad performance on Saturday. It's just, it's just not the way it works. Statman 72, Ohio State was expected to have the best offense on this year's schedule. How many of Notre Dame's 11 remaining opponents do you think will score more than 21 points? Pete, go first, because I actually meant to mm. kind of look at this a little bit and see who's what. But Three or four? I mean, because yeah. Yeah, the, not this, this question yeah, is, like a weird, is a weird one, because I hope Notre Dame doesn't play offense the way that it played at Ohio State, which is slow, take the air out of the ball. 
concede a talent gap with Ohio State's offensive firepower that you have to compensate for with your own offense. So, I mean, if Notre Dame beats North Carolina 48-24 to and then they beat USC 41-31, I don't think I'm a, my takeaway is going to be like, man, the defense is just not as good now as it was in the, when the season started. That, I think, would be a ridiculous take. I think North Carolina is capable. I, I've really liked what Drake May has done uh, so far for them. BYU would be capable. Clemson would be capable. USC would be capable. I'm with I you on those. Yeah. I mean, and, right, and maybe. The, yeah. I, I, say all four, I say there's four because not all four of those will, and somebody that shouldn't will. Yeah, right. and Boston College, I, I didn't, I haven't ch- had a chance to look at the. They, they did, did not, not win. They lost they by they lost a point to Rutgers. To Rutgers and, I, I ask and, that every week when I know the answer is fun for me. Oh, okay. Because in 1993, I like to ask that question. Jerks. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, if I, you know, I think Phil Dracovic is 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 a pretty good college quarterback, but his offensive line is going to he's going to get killed this year. I'm not even sure. I think it's going to be hard to keep him healthy by the time they get to the Nordic game in uh, November yeah. 19th. He got sacked four times against Rutgers. Yeah. I mean, they, you know, they lost four starters on the O-line and then an all ACC choice, their best offensive lineman towards ACL. Um, it was, it was during the summer. They might, you know, they're probably wearing the wrong knee braces. That's a, that's a, uh, under Armour foot. Gotcha. Okay. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm stuck on uh they have better lunch tables jokes right now yeah. on Twitter. So I was, I was yeah. missing what you're saying. You know, like, uh, will Cal score more than 21? They shouldn't. Will Marshall score more than 21? They possibly could, but I don't, you know, they probably shouldn't. Uh, Stanford. Although I like McKee. I don't know about that. UNLV. Yeah, the, the the teams we mentioned. I mean, twenty one's not me. Forty. Yeah, I mean, twenty one, twenty one. You know, scoring twenty one points or twenty four points in college football today is not that hard unless it's you know it's Nordic at, at Ohio State. But yeah, so you walked into that. That one was one sure. of those. That was what. Yeah, I know. That was one of those kind of games. That was a lock under. We said it all week. We're giving away winners here at Irish <laughs> Illustrated. I did. I did. I you know what else is a lock in that game? I believe on our Thursday podcast, I was like. Take Notre Dame in the points and bet the unders. I feel strongly yeah. about both. There was a, there was a better bet in that game that didn't come through. Oh, I wanted to bring it up when you referred to it about Chris Tyree. T- I blame the that's, that's, you want to blame a game plan. I'm going to blame a game plan on this one right here out of my <laughs> bitterness. So this was a lock. I, I I love the pick. Of course, it was a lock. All what right, happened? All right, tell him. Tell him. Chris Tyree's over under for receiving yards was eight point five. Well, if you remember. First of all, that just sounds ridiculous, like they made a misprint, and it was taken off the board. And if you remember, he caught a quick flare pass for six yards to start the game. Pete Sampson, you got it. And I need two and a half more yards. Oh, hope it didn't jinx you. Yeah, I hope so, too. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Already went on to complete eight passes and throw eight total passes in <laughs> yeah, the second half. And he was never targeted again. All right, well, that's fine. I'm not bad. All right. all right, question from Blue Chip Man. Will next year's Ohio State game be easier? Or more difficult for Notre Dame than this year's game? Uh, CJ well, will be gone. It's at Notre Dame. Uh, I think I've referenced this earlier. Tyler Buckle will be making start number 17. Mm-hmm. And Ohio State's quarterback will be making start number one. So Four, but yeah. Yeah, good point. It's not the opener. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I think next year's will be quite a bit 
easier. That's the game Notre Dame. It's a it's a game Notre Dame can and should get. I mean that they need to start getting these kinds of games. I I was asked, oh, you think um, C.J. Stroud will leave after this year? And I I'm like, I mean I can't imagine why he wouldn't be NFL ready by the end of this year. If he doesn't leave, it's gonna I'm gonna be real. That's gonna be annoying. That I mean, come on, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Notre Dame fans. I came back to beat Notre Dame a second time. Exactly. This is going to be, <laughs> it's like the jokes Samson and I kept sending back and forth every time a North Carolina first team, all ACC basketball player would come back. I've decided to come back. Yeah, but Prentice Hub's got to leave. You know, yeah. Armando Baycott's coming back, but Blake Wesley goes pro. CJ Stroud will be gone oh, and uh, he's going to have a good year passing the football. Final question from Dashing Domer. Per usual, even in a game with a fair amount of Notre Dame positive, the single-minded pursuit of victory results in a fan meltdown after the game with lots of blaming and finger pointing. Does this ever exhaust you or force you to re-examine the sense of it all? Yeah, I kind of let all that stuff just slide off my back. I, I don't really pay any attention to it. I, I'm, a, I'm oblivious to fan input when it comes to negativity. So how about you, Pete? Um, I would assume pretty much everyone listening to this podcast was irate about the Notre Dame-Ohio State game. And then after the Florida State LSU game felt a lot better. So I'm, I'm, I'm guessing this question got asked before kickoff of Florida State LSU. Seriously, uh, my 41st year in the business and it's it's the single um, it's the single most disturbing part of the job, really, because you can't. I mean, you can't it, it's so hard to deal in reality like you can't I can't have a debate. You can't really have a debate about Tommy Reese, the, the play caller. I will admit when I think he's bad, and I, you know, obviously they they didn't do a lot of good things offensively, but you can't debate it because if you make a good point, those that have their mindset aren't going to allow for a, a, a point where they say, Oh, okay, I agree with that. So it is a, for me, it's the single hardest thing because I don't feel like when I make a good point about something, whether it's Reese or anything else, that it will be will be heated at all because um minds are made up i have no Please. comment <laughs> no comment whatsoever <laughs> nothing i uh I, I i not really i just uh i know people are drunk after games i'm, I'm more annoyed if it continues uh there's only there's only one line of annoyance for me and that is that the freshman or the person you've never seen play is better than the guy that's playing <laughs> yeah it drives me crazy. Like, how do you know? How, how would you possibly know that? I was actually stopped on a walk home last year. From after a, after yeah. a game. It must, have been, a game. it must have been September because the line still stunk. And an otherwise fun conversation ended with, it's pretty obvious Rocco Spindler is the best lineman on this team. <laughs> I mean... I don't. I, I I had Rocco Spindler second in his class. I love Rocco Spindler. I would have loved that if Rocco Spindler started last year and was better than Kane Madden. And again, we are not saying that. I mean, I he could he could de he could develop into a really really good football player. I yeah, hope he does. I mean, Liam Eikenberg was not playing at this point in his career at Notre Dame. He was beaten out twice. Neither was Chris Watt. Neither was Chris Watt. So it's look, that is nothing was, to do. With I don't it. think I just, Nick Martin was. Yeah, how can someone know that they're better if they never see him play? Benjamin Mysteries of the universe, O'Malley. Mysteries of the universe. Benjamin Morris is the exception. He's the best corner in the world, right, Tim? No, he's really he's, good. Benjamin he's Morris ruining it for everybody off. else. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I get it from the standpoint that if all you've seen of him is his high school film, not, and not just him, I mean, anybody, if all you've seen 
of his high school film or, or his high school film. And he's been really, really impressive. It's hard to get that image out of your head, but you, I, you have to be open-minded enough to, to realize that when you go to the next level, everything changes. And I mean, look at the guys that we've, you know, we're wrong. We're wrong all the time. You know, when they get to this level, because it's just, it's, it's different. And it's, it's very difficult to evaluate that. It's difficult to evaluate all the factors that come into play just by watching high school film. I mean, I would, I would definitely, I want to give the Notre Dame fan base credit for this though, because you got a head coach who's 0 2. People could kind of like lose their stuff on that. And I think overwhelmingly, the grace period for Marcus Freeman has extended through the Ohio State game. It, It probably will run out of after whatever the next loss is, but like, I think for the most part, people have a kind of a healthy, like Ohio state's more talented. Notre Dame gave a pretty decent account for themselves. I wish the offense played better, but like I can still live with this. Whereas if the exact same thing happened and the head coach was Brian Kelly, I think people would be like, I'm out. I'm right. done with this season. I'm not watching another second. Yeah. Of this. Well, I, I, you know, I think you're right. And I think that's a, that's a testament to Marcus Freeman and right. And how, you know, the, the image that he presents and how people were universally on board with him being named head coach. But I would say that that, that all ends right now. Right. I mean, I think the next loss is when it will end. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Unless the next loss is a playoff. What if it's, I agree. agree. Yeah. Yeah. Like if it's BYU, it, it's, it, it, it ends right there. And in fact, I did have another, uh, sports writer tell me that when he got home from the game or it was even, it was the next day. I don't even know if he was home yet. The next day um, he had already received an email said, I knew they shouldn't have picked a guy, you know, that didn't have any experience as a head coach. So there is, there are a few dissenting voices out there, but it is good to know that uh, yeah, he deserves a grace period. He's not in over his head. I don't believe that. I do believe that there's a learning curve. And they've also played. He's also gone against, you know, Mike the number Gundy. nine and the number two team in right. the country. I mean, Mike Gundy teams? with with a, a tremendous defense, and then a Ohio State program at Ohio State. So uh, we will move on to Notre Dame versus Marshall this Thursday, September eighth, for our next podcast. Thank you for joining us. This has been Irish Illustrated Insider.